Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, pretty much like most podcasts. My guest today is Kim Beeler. Uh, Kim is the UX director at Expel, and uh, I would just like to point out, Kim is currently hiring for UX designers, which is a very good thing to know because what we're going to be talking about today is, you know, what kind of UX designers Kim hires and uh, and how she does that. So Kim, welcome. So good to have you. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, I mean, tell me about what you're looking for as a hiring manager when you're looking at, and I'm guessing UX designers, I don't know, do you also hire researchers or content or anything else? Yeah, so I think in the beginning, when we were small, I was really looking for generalists, so people with, uh, hopefully with enterprise UX experience, who could kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, As the team's getting bigger, we're now starting to specialize a little bit more. So about a year and a half ago, I hired a, a senior content strategist. Um, I've just brought on a technical writer and uh, we're also opening up a rec for a growth designer, which is really exciting. Uh, and also hoping to bring on UX researcher later this year. That's, that is very exciting. What's, what's the difference between sort of looking for that generalist versus starting to look for these more special skills? Do you ch- does that change the way you hire at all? It does. So I think like a lot of uh, product companies, we have, we're organized in what we call them feature teams, but you might call them pods or squads or something like that. So uh, typically when I'm hiring designers, I'm hiring them to be kind of the the designer for a feature team. Mm -hmm. Um, And these sort of specialized roles are going to be more floating, right? So so when I'm hiring designers, I'm saying like, hey, I'm hiring you for a particular team and you're going to be working on this part of the product or this particular um, product offering. Uh, and then my content strategist is kind of working on our um, knowledge base and documentation. So that goes across kind of all the teams. Got it. Got it. And what kind of skills are you looking for? Because you mentioned generalists and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I, I, I've been a generalist for a very long time. I think it's just because I have a very short attention span. Um, but uh, other people are, are generalists for other reasons. What, what are you looking for when you're looking for that person who can kind of do all of it? Um, I think it, so really what I'm looking for is an interaction designer. So let's, you know, be really clear about that. Um, and I think the reason I think of it as generalist is because I, I really do need people to be able to um, sort of not just do UX design. That's, I guess that's my definition. So the, the role is, you know, it's a little bit of project management. Um, it's a little bit of product management. It's, um, you know, stakeholder management. It's, uh you know, writing tickets. Um, it's maybe doing a little QA on your, you know, on your tickets that you've been working on. So it, it's kind of, um, it's a very wide role that starts very early in the, uh, in the feature definition process. So we do discovery, we talk to customers, we try to figure out like, is there a need out there for this feature or this thing that we're going to do? So we start very early in the process and then we're involved all the way through to the end when we're releasing or maybe even going to market or uh, looking at adoption of a feature. So that's really why I I think of it as generalist because you really need to be able to be effective all the way across that sort of feature or product life cycle. 
Yeah. So it's, you're not just looking for, I mean, I don't want to say just a UX designer or just a designer, because that's, that's already a lot of skills. Um, but you're looking for somebody who can really, sounds like be almost a product partner. It, it is. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons for that is I was such an early employee um, at Expel. Uh, you know, I got there before there was any product, before there were any customers. Um, and so we didn't have any product management. I was a pro- I was you know, doing demos, I was the product manager, I was doing everything. Um, and so I think that's just how I think about UX. I think of it as being like a kind of a leadership, a product leadership role uh, that's involved very early on and that, you know, where you're, you're also kind of shepherding these features through and making sure that the end product is something that you're proud of. A lot, you know, it's interesting. A lot of very senior UX designers that I talk to have this have this feeling or this attitude um, that a lot of what we do does bleed in to product management and sometimes bleeds into marketing. And I don't know if that's mostly from our experience at, at startups or if that's just after you do it for a while, you realize it's all kind of the same stuff. We're all just trying to figure out what to build together. Um, has that Has that changed? A little bit, though, since you've gotten quite a bit bigger? Well, I mean, for sure, in the early days when you have very few people, we all were wearing multiple hats, right? Mm-hmm. And then as as we hired more people and, you know, we brought on an actual product manager who knows what she's doing and actual marketers who know what they're doing and actual salespeople who <laughs> know how to sell. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, So you give away all your Legos, but you're giving them to people who, like, literally know what they're doing and have done this before and have a framework and have a process and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff instead of just YOLOing it all the time. Right. (laughs) Isn't it nice when you finally get that person who actually knows how to market? It's beautiful. I mean, we've had glorious, just glorious. We've we've had tremendously good marketing folks and uh, (sighs) you know, I mean, that's always a pleasure to see. Yeah. That's, it's funny. I don't, I don't know why that one's always the hardest for me and for a lot of other UX designers I've met, but that, that's always the one where they're, we're always sort of happy to hand that hat off to someone and sometimes a little slower to hand off the product stuff, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. Well, I used to do, um, I used to do website, you know, back in the days I used to do website design and all that kind of stuff. And like, I was, I was never as happy when, until I was able to get rid of that work because I, I just never wanted to touch a content management system again in my life. And I was just so happy when I was like, got to a company, I was in-house and there was a marketing team that managed the website and I didn't have to deal with it. Oh, such a such a relief. I, you know, I, and I want to say, I'm so happy that there are people who want to do that. And I'm oh, yeah. so happy that there are people who are good at it. And I'm so happy it's not me. Um, yeah. Just... <laughs> You have a person who all he does is social media. And I'm like, God bless him. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would not be me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I should not be on Twitter all day. That's it's, it's, a mis- it's, it's happened before and it's always been a mistake. <laughs> so when, when you are sort of looking though, for those UX designers, like what, you know, you mentioned a bunch of sort of the, the other skills, the non-UX skills, but you also mentioned looking for people who have experience in enterprise. And I I do feel like sometimes those skills are a little different for enterprise design. Can you talk a little bit about what you're looking for there? Um, sure thing. I think, uh, let's see. I do tend to think of enterprise UX design as being, you know, the actual work of it is, is interaction design, like the sort of core work that you're doing. Um, and I think the difference there with enterprise is that you 
the the systems that you're building for tend to be complicated. They're they're like they're like an iceberg where the there's all these underpinnings and there's all this architecture and there's all this you know databases and things going on behind the scenes and then the part that's visible to the user is just you know just above the surface and so um, so a lot of the work is not about it's not about the the part that people can see um, it's about working with whoever's um, architecting the back end and bringing the data forward uh, to make sure that we're actually surfacing up the information that we need to produce the experience that we want for customers. And so I think you have to really care about the backend architecture, how things are structured, uh, edge cases, um, you know, lots of business logic uh, and all kinds of stuff like that, that I think maybe is not as mm, salient in, you know, website design or some other types of uh, UX design. How do you evaluate for that? Cause I do find that hard to evaluate, especially in maybe newer folks who, haven't had the chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we interview people, uh, we, you know, obviously I always look at people's portfolio. I mean, if they send me, you know, portfolio link, I'll definitely look at that. And I'm looking for, you know, have they worked on similar kinds of projects? Um, have they worked on things that are like transactional? Like I'm looking for things with business logic in them, you know, with lots of states and um, error cases and confirmation messages and, you know, modals and stuff like that. Um, so that's the kind of project that I look for. When we do our portfolio, we do part of the interview process is called a portfolio deep dive. So we don't actually want people to come and like give us a PowerPoint of like a prepared presentation of, you know, of their portfolio or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually ask them to come and bring one project. I give them all the questions in advance. No, no trick questions, no surprises. Um, and so what we asked them to bring is like, you know, they're, what they would consider to be a complex project that they were the lead designer for or that they mm-hmm. led design for. Um, and so, you know, we sort of asked them to sort of talk through the whole project. So it's the questions are things like, you know, what problem were you trying to solve for the user, for the product, for the business uh, or all three? You know, who did you work with? So we're looking for, did you work with product management? Did you work with engineers? Did you have to go, you know, did you do user research? How many people did you talk to? What kind of research was it? Were you using um, quantitative data, like analytics data or metrics as, you know, to inform your design decisions? Um, And then things like, did you run into any technical constraints, right? Because that happens Mm -hmm. all the time in enterprise. Like you come up with this beautiful design and then the engineers come back and they're like, (laughs) yeah, we can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> that only happens every time. <laughs> right. Or, you know, that's going to be really yeah. hard because of this. Right. Um, and so, but, but that's, you know, those are opportunities to kind of collaborate with people and, mm-hmm. and figure something out and maybe figure something out better. Um, but we, you know, that's, you know, that's like the everyday work, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, we're sort of looking for the ability for people to be able to pivot on that stuff to sort of problem solve, to collaborate with people, to not get all like too, um, you know, fall in love with your darlings, as they say in, in writing, um, you know, to be able to iterate on things and come up with a new idea if the first one is not going to work, things like that. No, that's interesting. It's, it's funny because um, I think I, when we teach it, at least, I think that we often teach the sort of, you know, the design process and it, it feels, 
you know, very sort of neat and linear. And, and I always kind of laugh at that because I'm mm. like, well, <laughs> but really the design process is a lot of like negotiating with engineers and making sure that, you know, we understand if there's going to be a rollout to the CS department mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. iterating on things when we get them wrong or realizing that something we did over here is going to affect something, you know, in some other product that we also build and we have to oh, account yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, so. one of the things too that I that I that, that we have to do in our role that I don't mean I don't know if I can hire for this, but um, like is is really stakeholder management, right? So what happens a lot of times is we'll get a you know something will come to the feature team and it it's called something that is clearly a solution, like <laughs> the name of the project when you get it, or or the idea that somebody has is already in the form of a solution. Um, and then what you find if you're the designer for that project, when you're doing the discovery or trying to understand what it is people are asking for, you find that the stakeholders who bring this forward, they think that they they think that they've articulated something in a way that's understandable, and they usually haven't. And then they usually think that all the stakeholders actually agree, and they're all saying the same thing, and they agree. But then when you talk to them individually, you realize no, actually they all think something different. And so then the designer has this sort of um, facilitator role, if you like, or teasing out role where you have to kind of go around to all the stakeholders, understand what they're really saying and asking for, and then shop that around to the other people and say, you know, but so-and-so thinks it's like this, you know, what do you think? Um, Mm -hmm. and then sort of keep circling around until you start to get somewhere with it. Yeah. How, how do you mention that that's hard to evaluate for? And I, I, I agree. What, have you found anything that works? I'd love, I'd love tips. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm always interested in what kind of questions people ask. Uh, I used to do as part of our evaluation, I used to do a thing called the design thought exercise where I would give people like a one, a one pager that was explained kind of our business, um, and proposed some questions for them to think about and just come prepared to sort of talk about the, the, um, one pager, just the content that was in there and think about, kind of what the design pro what the UX problems were that we were surfacing up, like, and just tell them, just get them to ask me questions. Uh, and that was actually a really interesting exercise because I think the quality of people's questions tells you sort of, are they thinking at the surface level or are they sort of really going around and thinking about the implications of things? That is fascinating. I love, I love that idea. Um, and now, yeah, that, sort of gives you an idea of where, where they would start with a, mm-hmm. with a project certainly. And as opposed to just sort of taking it on and going straight to screens, which uh, is never, never, never my preference when, uh, when yeah. hiring. And I think it's about like the degree to which they are going to, are willing to question assumptions. I, I guess that's a good way to put it. That's what I'm looking for is I want people who are going to ask why. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, I remember when we were, uh, when we talked a little bit before you mentioned um, there's, it's important to, to look for good communication skills when, mm-hmm. when you're hiring. And uh, I feel like a lot of us kind of know what that feels like when we're working with somebody who has it. But again, how do we, how do we evaluate for that? Um, I guess, I mean, in the interview process, I think there's easy ways to evaluate for good communication skills in an interview process. You know, are people 
uh, are people explaining themselves logically? Do, are they, is a chain of reasoning there, right? So do the conclusions that they draw from the facts that they saw, do they make sense? You know, things like that. Are they, can they get to the point? Um, so, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things in an interview that I'm going to look for, you know, people who ramble, um, people who are kind of disorganized in their thinking that it's not linear, it's, it's not cause and effect. Um, you know, that's, that's never awesome. So, yeah. you know, in the interview stage, that's the kind of thing I look for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're asking people questions, do they answer them? <laughs> <laughs> or are they talking around it or rambling, not getting to the point, that kind of thing? Yeah. Hey, you know, I just, I just want to throw just a little, have a little sympathy for us ramblers. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there eventually. We just maybe take a little a little time to get there but uh, i'm a terrible rambler so i mean that's the funny thing because i'm always sort of like i'm looking for somebody who's very straight to the point and then you talk to me and like 15 minutes later you're like could i could i get an edgeward a word in edgewise please anyone really like to say something (laughs) speaking of um, you i know um expel is uh in cybersecurity, correct Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so what's the hardest thing about hiring in cybersecurity, because that, I mean, especially <laughs> for designers, because I got to say, like, sometimes designers are kind of attracted to, you know, I, I, sexy things. And mm-hmm. cybersecurity just sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like, I think it sounds interesting personally, but I'm a, I'm a weirdo, so. Um, how to hire. So I basically, I never try to, almost never try to hire people with security experience because they're very few and far between. And I mm-hmm. will say, uh, since I am hiring that once you get a job in UX in cybersecurity, you can always have a job in UX in cybersecurity. <laughs> not that many of us, and uh, it is a desperately needed skill. So, um, so that's always nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to find even people with enterprise experience, frankly. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really, I, I don't make that a criteria. You know, we, we just, what I recognize is that when we bring, when we onboard people, it really takes several months for them to ramp up. And so uh, what I've done is, just that's build that in to uh, the expectations. And I've, I've worked really hard to have um, a, a very uh, organized and linear uh, onboarding process mm-hmm. um, because what I don't want is for people to come in and feel overwhelmed and kind of lost um, and discouraged. So, uh, you know, I always tell people when we bring them on, like, hey, you know, before this, wherever you were before, you were the master of your domain. And and now you're starting over and you don't know anything and you're going to feel stupid. Um, but, you know, just be patient. And, and so we, we have this kind of process where we um, kind of build up people's knowledge bit by bit and sort of try to give them some small wins in the beginning and things like that. Yeah, but it sounds like you're really, you must be looking for folks who not only are excited to, to learn new things, but are just sort of comfortable not knowing a lot about the domain and maybe taking a long time to to ramp up on the domain. Yeah, it's hard. I think, you know, we do, we do, I think we hire pretty well. So we hire people who are very motivated and, you know, they, they're, they're all great. I mean, they work really hard. They're, they're full of energy. And so it is hard to come in and not be able to be effective right away. Um, and, and as you can imagine, like it's, it's a domain that's full of very smart people and yeah. people. And so and some, no some opinionated, perhaps some opinionated engineers. I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe perhaps. Yeah. And there's like a million acronyms. Like that's almost oh, yeah. the hardest thing, like is the acronyms that kills people. So, <laughs> you know, we just have to be like, yeah, just, 
So what I've done actually uh, recently in the last few hires is I've created this like buddy system. So basically I pair up my, the new hire with somebody who's been here for a little while. And I'm like, here's the person you can ask all the dumb questions and not be embarrassed. Nice. Like they will explain everything to you. It's fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is, that is super helpful. I had a buddy um, at one of my other jobs and it was just, just knowing that there was a person who's part of their job was to yep. <laughs> make sure that I understood things. I will say about the acronyms, you know, I work for a company that um, helps people get jobs and we have the same problem. That may be an enterprise thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the, the addiction to shortening every single word. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's a weird. Disease. Well, cybersecurity, it's a disease. Well, cybersecurity is a lot of it comes out of the military. So you can imagine oh. it's all like OSINT and, you know, imps, yeah. you know everything's like a, you know, some kind of crazy military type acronym. So, uh, Are there, um, if somebody did want to get some sort of experience to make them more attractive to, to working in cybersecurity, is there something that like, is there a class they could take or something that they could learn about or something that, like if they, if they just happen to have a, a deep love of a particular thing? Uh, for design and cybersecurity? Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think you need to prepare for that. I mean, I, I'm much more interested in somebody having enterprise UX mm -hmm. experience because I think really it's just enterprise design. It just happens to be in cybersecurity. So that's, Got you know, it. that would be the experience I'd be looking for, frankly. And just that complexity and the, the stakeholder management and the being able to work yeah. on lots of different kinds of systems at once. Yeah, all the business logic yeah. and the back end, you know, working with, you know, back end engineers and things like that. Yeah. And again, it like, let's, I don't, I don't know if you're, because the company is still not, it's not enormous, right? Um, so I don't, I don't know if you're able to hire, you know, brand new folks who don't have that experience and, and, mm -hmm. and train them. I don't know. Is it? Do you have a way of evaluating for that other than having done it before? Uh, you mean people that don't have experience? Yeah, like if somebody didn't have enterprise mm -hmm. experience, is there any way to be able to tell like, yeah, I think they're going to be really great at it? Um, I, I would say we haven't exclusively hired people who have enterprise experience. So, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job hiring. So clearly I have some way of evaluating <laughs> for that, even if I can't articulate it. Um, I think, again, I'm looking for, uh, you know, people who can, who are in touch with the design problem, who can, who understand the business context too. That's important, right? They're not just solving the design problem. They understand like, why does the business need me to do this? And what are the, um, you know, try, trying to sort of manage or balance the, the user need with the business need, because I think that's really critical. Yeah. Um, and I, again, like the sort of communication style, uh, one of the things that's really, really important, it really at this point, I think it might be the most important quality that I'm looking for. I guess I'd say call it a trait, um, is sort of comfort with ambiguity. Because what I'm finding is that if people don't have that or they don't have enough of it, they they are just not successful in our work environment. Um, so if you're the sort of person who likes guardrails and process and predictability um it, it, this is just not an environment that is it's like that we're very flat we're very decentralized we're very autonomous one of the things that i notice when people come in um the question that people always have is how who's the decider <laughs> I, I need to do you know i'm trying to figure out how to do this thing and i don't even know who to talk to about it like mm -hmm. who are the stakeholders who's the decider so, you know, for example, like 
we make a lot of really important decisions on Slack. Mm-hmm. And if you're used to an environment where there's documentation and meetings and slide decks and process to make a decision, like that feels like chaos. It feels like it's out of control and it's off the rails. Yeah, it, it, it could. <laughs> Does that, um, but the, I guess that, that works for teams and... It's working for us. I mean, frankly, we're still only about 300 people. So, you know, if we get to 3,000, I couldn't, I don't I can't guarantee that that kind of thing will work anymore. Uh, I Maybe a little documentation sneaking in there or a little bit of a, little more of a, a, a decider. We actually have a ton of documentation. It's just that it's, you know, we, we do a lot of asynchronous work because the company's 100% remote now. Um, and so we've just gotten really good at kind of asynchronous, like, drafting in public, you know, getting feedback, um, and uh, sort of doing all of that sort of without having to have, I mean, I wouldn't say we don't have a ton of meetings because we do, but, um, you know, I think we're pretty efficient at communicating, um, having check-ins, you know, getting stakeholders involved, giving people an opportunity to give feedback on things and decisions before we make them and so on. It's so it's so interesting because I've just I've been talking to a lot of hiring managers, you know, as I sort of ramp up as one, and uh, it, it is fascinating to me because I, I'm hearing so many things that I I feel like candidates should really be interviewing us about, right? Like, is that if you know that you're the kind of person who really wants somebody who's going to give you a well scoped project. Mm-hmm. to work on and be able to tell you yes or no, this is great, this is not great, do this, do that. Like, And that's a totally reasonable way to work, quite frankly. Like, Lots of people like that, and it's fine. Um, but they would be very unhappy, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you can't, if you're in touch with that, you know, that, that need, I mean, I think that's important to sort of try to understand for yourself what you know, what type of work environment are you, are you comfortable in or prefer? And, you know, maybe it's if people haven't worked a lot of different places, they don't know that there's different things out there. Yeah. It's really, it's hard to figure out that, oh, actually I'm the kind of person who needs sort of a medium amount of, you know, decisions and I'm comfortable with the smaller ones or I'm comfortable with very big ones or, you know, whatever it is that, mm-hmm. um, no, it's, it's actually a really, I think it's a, an interesting question. Um, I, I do want to ask the question that I <laughs> that I often ask, which is, um, do you have any do you have any weird stories or, or good stories about just something strange that happened to you when you were either hiring or being hired? I'm I'm always up for those. Yeah. Um, well, I did have one. I I, uh, I interviewed somebody at phone screen one time, uh, and I. I asked the first question. The first interview question is usually something on, on a phone screen is usually something like, tell me, your, you know, get, take 10, 15 minutes and tell me about your career trajectory. You know, why did you leave one job and go to the next, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy took literally the entire hour that we had scheduled to answer this. He literally like talked nonstop. And I, at the, I wasn't a very good interview then. So I didn't know how to butt in and tell him like, okay, okay, okay. You're, you're done. <laughs> um, so he, and I was almost like wanted to watch and see what would happen if I didn't say anything would he keep going. Just, so set a, just set a clock. Just like, let's, well, he's, he's at, he's at the 63 minute mark. I know. So, but it was really amazing because his, his narrative was about how every time he switched jobs, it was because, oh, then I got a call from him, like the head of design at such and such a company, or, you know, my buddy recruited me to come work for him at such and such and so on. So it sounded like he had never actually looked for a job. He just kept getting these great opportunities dropping in his lap and, and then he jumped ship, right? Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, wow, charmed life. 
And uh, and he was genuinely surprised and actually seemed a little offended when I didn't schedule a follow-up interview. <laughs> well, sure, he had another hour to talk. He had another hour of story. The funny thing is you, you mentioned that you said to take 10 or 15 minutes to do it. Like, that seems like a lot. And I've been working in tech since the 90s. Like, I always feel like my story's too damn long and has too much stuff that's irrelevant. And like, it's not 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really, the funny thing for me was that I think that he thought he was telling me a story about like how successful and in demand he was. But um, actually what I was hearing was a story about a guy who had no plan for himself and was actually just going to always jump ship at the next shiny thing. So why would I hire him if like he was just going to get a call from his buddy who was going to like headhunt him for the next thing. So that's it was a, kind of funny. That is a great point. We are not always telling the stories that we think we are telling when we tell yep. them. All right. Well, that, that is a good one. And uh, a, a good, a good warning to uh, all, all the uh, candidates out there. Um, Kim, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for, for sharing your wisdom with us. This was a great experience. Thank you so much, Laura. That is all the time that we have for today. Um, I Again, I want to thank Kim Beeler for joining us from Expel, and they are hiring. Um, I also want to thank all of you for listening and wish you all the best of luck with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee or, I don't know, a new pair of shoes, whatever. I'm rooting for you.